To another episode of Geology on the Rocks, your one-stop audio shop for all things rocks and rocking out. So a brief overview of this evening's episode will include our intros and hellos, followed by new news. Our main discussion will dive deep into all things wars and geology. I'm excited about this one. So between the bars of our main discussion, we present to you another Mineral Minute. And before signing off, we close things out with another segment of That Freaking Rocks. A big thank you to all of our listeners out there for allowing us to be played between your earballs and for spending your time with us each week. If you'd like to reach out to us, whether it be for episode ideas, answers you are wanting answered, or to tell us about all the times we were wrong, you can reach us at geologyotr at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram at Geology on the Rocks Podcast. So it looks as if things are squared away over here, Mr. Baggins. So without further ado, to all of you over there, I am your host, James the Geologist. And I'm Brian Baggins. And this is Geology Geology on on the Rocks. rocks. (laughs) Hey, man. So yeah, we're doing another episode uh, uh, distanced again. Crazy work schedules. So Apparently, yeah, we're planned <laughs> yeah and then with us to talk about geology and war uh i have one of one of my longest and oldest most bestest of buddies i know him all the way back from basic training we went to war together and i uh, generally he's a uh, uh he wanted me to say call him a fuck face right is that what it was mario <laughs> <laughs> no no yeah there it is <laughs> So yeah, he's a he's a fellow podcaster. He has his uh, podcast Fall in Three Sixty, and then he is also an entrepreneur. Is that <laughs> entrepreneur? Entrepreneur. <laughs> and welcome to the show, everyone, Mister Mario Aguirre. Thank you. Thank you. Hey man. So it's been it's been a been quite a long time. So yeah, like I just said, I was trying to tell Brian a little bit about our backstory is what was it, it was it it was September or October of 2003? Yeah, that's when we started. Yeah, cuz then we went on Exodus for Christmas. So it was close to Christmas. Yeah, yeah, in November. Yeah, because yeah, it was a we did that that one station unit training. So yeah, we went to basic training in Fort Seal for field artillery. We graduated in March of two thousand four, yeah. and then in two thousand five, I'm in Iraq with you, like as one of your roommates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's it's just yeah, a crazy we, story. We were in different. Yeah, we were in different units in uh, Texas National Guard. So you know, you were on the other side of Texas, and you know. Yeah, I was in El Paso, the armpit of Texas, but we still ended up somehow you yeah. know, on the same unit in the same freaking room <laughs> in the same bay. <laughs> so, Brian, yeah. we were the we were we were the uh, the problem child. Like, so we always had what the uh, the officers coming in checking our room for contraband and whatnot because <laughs> yeah. we were right. fun. But had so, everyone doing the push up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I had did. a little ring of bourbon. Remember, we would buy it. We'd buy it from the British and sell it too. Yeah, and then I remember like the craziest thing being geology on the rocks, and I'm drinking my Canadian whiskey tonight. Uh, cheers, clink. <laughs> but do you remember um, one time we actually sold? Or I mean, I remember trading a pair of boots with the uh, Iraqi police, and it came in pool tab six pack. Am I crazy in thinking? Oh yeah, 
Yep, it was scotch. Nope, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it was. That it was. It was scotch in a can. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was the weirdest they thing, were, bro. Wow. Yeah, but yeah, it was. It was, it was British because the British would bring it. That's okay. how they used to get it. Okay, and so, so I guess they got yeah. it, and then they they made. Yeah, okay. It it all makes sense. Sold it to now. the Iraqis. Yeah, something. It because the Iraqis got it from the Brits. Okay, and then they sold it to us, and then we sold it back to our own people. Yeah. So, Three times the <laughs> <laughs> it, it goes so around. Them, so it's all about that economy yeah. base. Like you got to make it that is, money. Man. You want to learn a, a lesson in economy? Just do go to go to prison or go to war. <laughs> will we'll teach you the same lesson in, in economy. So you learn how to barter and trade real quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. Well, then, compare, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Brian. So how has your week been, man? Uh, been crazy, man. Getting all the band stuff going. We're about to like finally kick off all that promotion this Friday. Um, and then tomorrow I get my second shot, the second stab. So I'm actually being good tonight. I'm having tea because I don't know, I've had some weird throat thing going on. So I'm not, I'm not going to be having as much fun or at least I won't be chanting obscene things at the end of episodes. So well, yeah. <laughs> you, you could at least <laughs> pretended, you could at least pretended. I could have. But I'll still add a lot of cool. I have a lot of cool stories. So. Yeah, yeah. That's all it's about. Yeah. That's all yeah. it's about. So, um, yeah, James, you don't got to be drunk to tell cool stories. <laughs> well, I mean, you this... be drunk to have fun. And <laughs> so Brian, you also don't have to be drunk to say crude words because. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be talking the same way, drunk or not. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel like that's how I am in the classroom a little. I mean, I tone it down in the classroom a little bit, but yeah, no, what, what closing out? No, no, no. It was the episode with Greta where yeah, <laughs> by the end you were completely, uh, you were hammered. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's, um, I say move things on. We've had our intros and hello. So then we will get into a little bit of new news and I will start our little party waltz. All right, so, <laughs> no, it's been a crazy week, man. I have all over the place. All right, so my news story comes to us. So it is how, so I kind of try to relate my news stories to the, how it relates to our episode. So my article is how military funding shape the science of oceanography. And I, this, it popped out to me because this is one of the, uh, the courses that I teach is oceanography. And it is in the book that's called Science on a Mission. And science historian Naomi Oreskes explores how the naval funding revolutionized our understanding of Earth and ocean science. So especially with regards to plate tectonics and deep ocean circulation. So she also investigated the repercussions of the military's influence on what we still don't know about the ocean with regards to life. So a little bit about it is just before World War II, the influx of military dollars began, I guess, coming in. She describes how major science advances germinated and wove uh, those accounts with deeply researched stories of backstabbing colleagues, tempted coups at oceanographic institutions, and daring deep sea adventures. So just a brief highlight, there was, uh, I guess, a, a section about ocean floor or bathymetry, uh, measuring of the ocean floors with the Navy support. Scientists discovered seamounts and mapped mid-ocean ridges and trenches in detail. So the Navy, they, did, they didn't care why there were ridges or escarpments. It simply just needed to know for navigational purposes, if you will, why they were there, right? So, but uncovering these features, it helped scientists move towards the idea that Earth's outer layer is divided into discrete moving tectonic plates, right? So, you know, I guess this is after prior to World War II, then afterwards, Harry Hess and the unifying plate of plate 
tectonics. But anyways, through the lens of the naval necessity, scientists also learned that deep ocean waters moved and mixed, and that was the only way to explain the thermocline, a zone of rapidly decreasing temperature, as we know, that separates warm surface waters from the frigid deep ocean waters, which affected, it actually affects like naval sonar. So scientists, they, they knew that acoustic transmission depended on water densities, which in the ocean depends on temperature and salinity. What scientists discovered was the density difference coupled with Earth's rotation drive deep ocean currents that take cold water to warmer sections and vice versa, which in turn creates the thermocline. So, yeah, you know, I thought it was cool that uh, there's actually a book and mention of military funding and the development of various oceanography yeah. topics. <laughs> no, that's cool. I remember talking about, um, and what I feel bad now, what was the woman's name that like really kind oh, of old of like mapping? Yeah. Uh, Maria Tharp. Maria Tharp. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we had, we've, we've mentioned her a few times on here, um, all that work she did, which really set the stage. What I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, no, because she was like, hey, to her like supervisor was like, hey, it looks like this is uh, a ridge system. And they're like, you're an idiot. Yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and then comes to find out she was right. Yeah, no, you're Well, um, my news article has nothing to do with <laughs> our topic as usual. Yeah. Uh, but it's. Basically, it comes out of UC Berkeley, uh, a scientist, I forgot his name, uh, but he wanted, he's been wanting to know for years how many tyrannosaurs live on Earth, like, okay. uh, cumulative, cumulatively. And uh, all, all his uh, peers told him it was asinine to <laughs> try and figure that out. Yeah, because I mean, so how would you even do that? Yeah, and so he, he approached his students and they came up with this, like, really like lengthy calculation suite of like oh well if this uh t-rex takes you know the sexual maturity of it is like 15.5 years and okay. its maximum lifespan is probably in its late 20s and so they went through all this and like figured out that um like what the generational uh lifespan was and it was like they put it at like 19 years and that the average population density was about one dinosaur per every 100 square kilometers. Okay. And so what they finally, like after this long calculation, it was like, uh, I think it was like a total of 2.3 billion T-Rexes lived on Earth. Okay. It was based on like a standing population size of 20,000, but they were around for like 2.3 or 2.5 million years. Okay. So this is a cumulative calculation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Which no, is there even like, more like, bizarre. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... I th- How I, many billion? 2.5 billion T-Rexes. Holy shit. So throughout, yeah. yeah, but I mean, like, that but that kind of pales in... Because, like, how many people do we have alive on Earth today? I know we're um, considerably is it, smaller. Like, yeah. Is there, like, 2 billion people on Earth? Yeah, 3 billion? Like, no. I think it's, like, 7 billion. 7 yeah, billion? It's yeah. not more than that now. Like, no, yeah, because India <laughs> and China have over a billion themselves. <laughs> So if we had, yeah, if we had um, a war right now against all the T-Rexes, like the 3 billion T-Rexes versus 7 billion humans, who wins? Um, uh, would we have our, like, guns and stuff? Or would we? Uh, that's a tough Let's go back to, like, we could only use, like, our Neolithic stone tools. <laughs> yeah, we would they win, right? Because yeah. each one can take out 100. Yeah, like when they can be biting like one guy in half and then like killing the other like 20 with their tail but i do feel like uh there 
you're underestimating like humans. Like I don't know, we used to like destroy woolly mammoths. Yeah, but not when there was two billion of them coming at you. <laughs> you make good points. You make good points. Yeah. You know, there's people. You know, humans. We're fucking humans. Are the, the we're the dumbest. Like we would form alliance. Like we would. We would have people that would betray the human race and, and go line, align with the rest of Oh, yeah. You know, they would form, I mean, you're right. They, we would survive. Like, we wouldn't win the war, but we, we were smart enough to survive, right? Yeah. We'd be like, for a little while, we would be doing, we'd be like the servants of the T-Rexes until, you know, someone got smart and, yeah. and <laughs> a revolution against them. And, you know, like, that's the history. We tried to make, we tried to make the T-Rexes like us. And then it would be like T-Rex Animal Farm, the book. Yeah, be so we'd be creating like what unilateral alliances or whatever, blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah, hey, and the policy of it. We can't we can't discuss this anymore because this is this is a movie idea, and I want to give people oh. ideas. Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is this is the new Sharknado. The new uh, Sharknado, the T Rex, so billions yeah, of T Rexes. Yeah, no, let's not talk about it. Well, then, so this I think I give so a good I guess segue into what we'll be talking about tonight: geology and war. Unfortunately. We're not going to be talking about battling T-Rexes, but I figure like a good place to start <laughs> is let's the geological context. So I wanted to talk about what is a continent and then uh, kind of like the, the geopolitics and distribution of resources. So I'll start off with this is I use this in all of my in my classes kind of as like just like a thought experiment. And I usually start off with talking when, before we start talking about plate tectonics is what is a continent? Um, so, right. Is a landmass independent of their? Uh, no, hold on. A large landmass that it's usually I don't separated. Know how to say it's, that. it's like, like separated yeah. by a large body of water. Because when I think about this, or I think moves across. I don't know. It's yeah, weird. It's hard to think about. Because when you think about it, think about the Olympic rings. There's five of them. Right. And it depends. I really think it depends on like what. Wait, is that what that's for? Yeah, it's for the Americas, <laughs> Asia, Europe. Africa, oh, and say, then um, aren't there seven continents? Well, I mean, like it depends on the what you what you're looking. I mean, like how your your frame of reference. Because in Europe, they they consider the Americas as one. They separate oh, they separate Europe and Asia. Then they have Australia, Africa, India, and Antarctica. And that's for that for is the story that the Olympics told you. The reality <laughs> is they made that story up because five rings look good, seven rings look dumb. Well, so I mean, like, yeah. We, aesthetically, aesthetically, we have to make this up and tell people there's only five continents instead of seven. So I think it's a whole conspiracy, though. But we can't, <laughs> we'll get into that later. I think the Olympics made it up. There were seven <laughs> continents, and then they made you believe there's only five, so they can match their little ring. I get it. <laughs> but then, I I, what if there? What about the eighth? Like, what would that look good? Because there's an eighth continent now, apparently. Oh. Yeah, but then oh, Pluto, right? <laughs> no, that hurts my head. No, no, the uh, you're talking, you're talking about uh, Zealandia, right? Zealandia, yeah. Where is Again, that? Is this, is this insider information? Yes. Yeah, so, so, like, it's a like it's a most of most of that plate's been subducted, right? And then it's yeah. and it's weird. It's like it's New, Zealand New Zealand, is, Zealand. Yeah. yeah, but so and then like the little islands right by that. That's super interesting. Yeah. No, but like, okay, so why do they consider the America? So, if from a European standpoint, right, why do they consider the Americas as one? Because as we know, it's two completely separate plates, right? And then, 
Yeah. yeah. Europe and Asia, they are one landmass. They're the Eurasian tectonic plate. And then I feel like that's a good way to kind of transition into the the geopolitics of it. Because the whenever you think of Europe and Asia, right, it's this kind of fundamental. It's like the, you know, whenever you, even if you think about Berlin and the Berlin Wall, right? So you had the East and the West. Mm-hmm. There right. are like ideological differences. And, and, you know, then that comes into like the geopolitics, if you will. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm 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 asking you all. So like, yeah, right. So like the uh, you have the Ural Mountains that separates kind of Europe and like the Western school yeah. of thought, and you have on the eastern side of the Ural Mountains, you have Russia and kind of the Baltic states and blah 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 blah. Okay, so, so I'll, what I'll, do we say? What do we say separates North and South America then? Well, but Central America. All right. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's yeah. No, but there are two, I mean, like it's a, it's separately, separately, they are tectonically separated. So we can think of the, the, what the, the 12 or 14, uh, tectonic plates and consider if there's right. a landmass on top of that, that's large enough. It could be a continent, right? Yeah. And like, I remember something in like geography. I remember them saying anything above sea level, but that's me. That doesn't make sense. I think it'd be um, a country, but a continent. Yeah, yeah, it was a weird definition, but like, why then? Well, my my question was more like, why would you know Asia and Europe think of us as one continent, North and South America? Because they see that all the way up from Canada, all the way down to the you know what is it, Cape Horn? Is it Cape Horn? Cape Cape something in Chile or Argentina, way down there at the south. It, it's one continuous landmass. They don't. They're not concerned subsurfacely that they're distinct plates. Like right, yeah, you have the Caribbean plate, like the Nazca picky. plate. You have the South American <laughs> yeah. plate, and then you have the North. Yeah. So, anyways, but yeah. Europe and Asia are one plate. So right. Yeah. What do you what do you think, Mario? What about Antarctica? What are your thoughts on Antarctica? I hate her. I never liked my aunt. <laughs> okay, I see what you did there. What? Yeah, your aunt Antarctica. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know these things. I, I'm learning stuff. I thought that now you're telling me there's a new continent. I'm so stuck on that. <laughs> Why are we not talking about that? I know you guys know this shit, but I'm like, I don't want you to finish talking so I can ask you about this new damn continent. Okay, well, I mean, like, I think, I, I don't know. I think it's one of those little novel things that they, there's, you know, they're trying, I don't know. I don't know. Are they trying too hard? Is that is that a... Try too hard, kind of thing. Is that what's going on? So I don't know. Like, um, do you do you know? Is it is it is that part of that Zealandia plate? Is it separate from the Pacific? Do you know, Brian? Yeah, it. Yeah, I think it is. It's considered like a hidden continent because it's mostly submerged. So it's like an elevated part of the ocean floor. Okay, hmm. so it's it's there yeah. and it's a separate plate. I want to make sure. Yeah. Sure I get it right, so tomorrow when I go to work, start pressing everybody. <laughs> yeah, and it, I, I think it started when the Gondwana started separating. Okay. Yeah. And then that yeah, was gonna, the Cretaceous, right? Yeah, like okay. 100 million. Yeah. I'm going to mess with people tomorrow and just set them up. <laughs> I'm going I'm to yeah. hey, uh, I'm going to find any excuse to ask them. Hey, uh, how many uh, how many continents are there? Like, uh, we're, we're trying to focus on finance right now. Finance. Well, I'm, I just want to know if you have to finance this question. How many continents would you say? Yeah, like seven, like, nope, nope. Here you go. And I'm gonna drop this knowledge on them, and I'm gonna tell them there's a new continent. 
Yeah. And, there you go. And then you, can, and then you can argue it from the standpoint that uh, North and South America are separate continents, but Europe and Asia yeah. are the same continent. Right. Technically. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pick everybody up at work tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> everybody. Yeah. So this idea that they're that they're separated geopolitically, right? So this this I think it trouble tends to arise whenever one group, usually a ruling and powerful one, puts strain on another group's access to vital resources, something that they kind of all rely on, right? So um, mm-hmm. what is it? So I wanted to talk about some of these resources that, you know, whenever a country or a continent kind of pops up, then you have inside the continents, you have countries and they have, usually they follow some kind of like geographic distribution of like a river, you know, like separates like United States yeah. from Mexico is the Rio Grande River, right? So that arbitrary thing. And, and it keeps going back and forth, like, right? So you can see parts of what used to be uh, Mexico is now North America because of the Oxbow Lakes. You know how the meanders kind of cut off and then it yeah. straightens out. Yeah. So like it, on both sides, so now like parts of the like of the United States <laughs> that were once part of the United States, that river cuts through. Now it's part of Mexico. So it's kind of like this weird thing. But so the resource that I was going to talk about. So I'm going to take the stage for a little bit. I wanted to talk about salt, the mineral halite, which is the <laughs> sodium chloride, right? NaCl. So this. I thought I was the salty one. Oh, yeah. A salty brine. You're the liquor. Oh, yeah. I am a liquor. But I'm drinking liquor and I'm talking about salt. So I don't I don't know what's going on anymore. What's what's up or down? So the the this this mineral or uh, resource, if you will, has been a focus of wars throughout time. So I know like when we first started talking about doing this episode, I was like, let's pick one resource and talk about war. But then I was just like, Jesus, man, this this is a hotly contested, I guess, a mineral, if you will, or resource. So this ionic compound, right? So we know it's ionically mm-hmm. bonded, was once traded for gold. Gold, right? So salt is taken for granted today, but for much of human history, it was taxed, monopolized, regulated, fought over, and even used as a medium of exchange. The The early Chinese, they actually used coins of salt. And in Europe, some Mediterranean people used cakes of salt as currency. And what? there's, yeah, so there's, wow. there's this kind of this thing that the Roman soldiers were regularly paid in handfuls of salt. And uh, they believe that the word salary actually comes from the Latin term sal, which is uh, salt. Wow. There you go. You can blow That's, people's mind up with that. I'm, like, hey, Matt, I'm writing notes, bro. I'm going to go some other. I don't know what he did. He must have taken a test or something, but he got it smartened. Yeah. Up. So then, up. so then, get this right. So another thing that I found is from like uh, such as from a tiny city, Liverpool grew into one of the biggest English ports by exporting salt from local salt works. And then in the Mediterranean, Venice, they fought and beat Genoa in a war over salt. And then in Britain, so right, so wait, wait, go ahead. Hold on, did you just say what was the name? Genoa. 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 Gen- Venice. And what did they assault? Yeah, they, they just fought. They fought over the salt. In the Mediterranean. They assaulted somebody? <laughs> Bus salt. Oh. Who did they assault? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just asking. You're saying you're blaming this country for assaulting all these other people. I don't know. Yeah. I'm I don't even know why I didn't think of that kind of... See, this is... You bring so much value already. The plants... <laughs> I'm just dumb. So, just dumb humor. It's just dumb humor. No, it's all it is. but it's appreciated. <laughs> it's whiskey. It's the whiskey. <laughs> the whiskey. <laughs> and then, so there's another thing that I didn't realize. So in Britain, the suffix "which," right? So in place mm-hmm. names means it was once a source of salt, such as sandwich in Norwich, or I guess Wick Norwich. 
Sandwick. Anything, so if it had a W-I-C-H in the end of it, it meant that it was once a source of salt. So that's kind of interesting. Mm. Yeah, boom. Mm. And then throughout history, wars have really been fought over salt or the lack of it. So during the Revolutionary War, Benjamin Franklin made a secret deal with Bermuda to supply salt to the American forces. And in 1783, after the Revolutionary War was won, salt works were set up along the Atlantic coast. Major salt deposits found near Syracuse provided one of the main reasons for the construction of the Erie Canal, which opened in 1825. And then there were these series of wars. There was a war in 1482 through 84 involving, I guess, Roman papal forces of Sixtus the Fourth. I think that's what that one is. And then another one in uh, Assault War of 14, or 1540 involving the, the, the citizens of Perugia over new salt taxes that Pope Paul III implemented. And then in 1648, people of Moscow responded to Tsar Alexei the first new universal salt tax, which led to days of violent uprising. But what I wanted to get to was in the mid 1800s, two conflicts arose over the political and economic jurisdiction of the Salinas in El Paso area of Texas. Salinas. Salinas. So the root of these conflicts known as the the salt wars, they lie in an enduring historical threads of two great colonial (laughs) empires, Spain and Britain, each with different worldviews as codified in laws governed rights to the salts. So the Texas salt wars occurred during an ebb and flow of historical influences of political and cultural boundaries of the United States and Mexico. According to the Spanish laws at the time, the the title of the mines and the minerals uh, belonged to the government and the king had granted its citizens to mine it. So when Texas, which initially included Eastern New Mexico, became part of the United States in 1848, the law changed to British common law, which dictated that the title to minerals belonged to the owner of the land on which they sat. Several Hmm. influential Texas took advantage of this, and in turn, the events informed a partnership to exploit the Salinas of Lake Lucero, which they thought could prove to be very lucrative. But anyway, so it led to the El Salzario Salt War of 1877, and the Magafin Salt Wars of 1854. And it, it goes on, so I won't, oh, yeah. but, but it, it has to do with the Guadalupe Mountains <clears throat> and it being part oh, of yeah. the Western Interior Seaway. Seaway. Yes, yeah, Seaway. I, I had no idea Texas, Texas had Salt Wars. I didn't either, yeah. but it's apparently one of our most exploited, or was one of our most exploited resources at a time, so. Yeah, well, so I have another war. Okay. to share with you guys. It was also some one country wanting to mine someone else's deposits, but it was part of World War II. Okay. It was a, a separate conflict, though, and it occurred from 1941 to 1944, and it was the Continuation War. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, I, I don't. Have you, Mario? Yeah. I have not. Huh. All right. Yeah, I didn't know about it either, and so I learned about it. Now I'm here to talk about it. But it was, it was between Finland and Germany against the Soviet Union. And it was it was a pretty big deal. Like there were sixty three thousand ish Finnish soldiers died, two hundred and fifty thousand Soviets and twenty three thousand Germans. So just okay, I know this is kind of off topic, but it, it seems like every time I hear like a, a World War Two story in Russia, people that died, it always seems abnormally high, right? It just seems like they just yeah, throw yeah, no. throw people Russia at the problem. The most. They did. Yeah. Russia lost the most and yeah. It was it, I mean by crazy numbers. 
Yeah. Like, they kill their own. They kill their own people. It's like, yeah. Fight, you're like, okay, you're dead. You're dead. They have so many freaking people. Yeah. That, that yeah it's like, crazy. Like in Stalingrad where they, people will turn around. They're like, well, we're just going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they would, well, they would send out two people out at a time. They didn't have enough weapons for everyone, but they would send two people or three people. One with a rifle. They're like, when he's dead, you pick it up and you go. And he's dead, you pick it up. So like yeah. literally two people without rifles, one with a rifle, and they would send them to battle like that. That doesn't. Like, Holy crap. <laughs> Hey, but so, so Ryan, not to hijack your war story, but I know whenever no, the, good. whenever the German troops, I know that, you know, I guess the Stalingrad was kind of like that, that last battle of World War II, like, uh, between Germany and Russia. But so when Germany, the, the German troops retreated from the Soviet, a significant amount of them actually died from salt malnutrition. Boom. Really? Yeah. <laughs> just, to just to bring it, just to bring it full circle. <laughs> All right. So, so back to the continuation war. Continue. Yeah. So. Mine or the continuation war was what caused the escalation of this conflict. One of the main reasons were the Finnish nickel deposits. Okay, and so these de- these deposits they're part of an area in pre-Soviet times was called the Petsamo area. It's now called the Pechenga deposit. But the nickel ore deposits are associated with the Proterozoic, so about like two billion years old ferro-peak basalt flows and and similar ultramafic flows, and they would come and lay out over these sedimentary or lightly metamorphosed um, sedimentary rocks. And so it's like, it's it's basically a greenstone belt in Northeast Finland. And it's a prinite, pumpsolite to green schist species. Um, And the nickel is found where more of like, I guess it was more of like a morb, mid-ocean ridge type type basalt onto black schist. That's where you're going to find a lot of abundant sulfur to use for mineralization. Nice. But what, so that's the geologic setting. But, that's all, I mean, that's um, kind of what makes me happy. But yeah, <laughs> in the context but, of war, how did they exploit that, Brian? Tell us. Tell us. I don't know what, what, how they exploited that, but I just know they didn't agree because it. The war began about 15 months after the end of the Winter War, which. You just put away a lab rack. Yeah. He Winter War. Like, oh my god, this is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no seriously. <laughs> oh god. Okay, I'm I'm just hey, gonna try. Okay? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm trying I'm trying to just derail you. <laughs> no, you're good. So Finland and, and the USSR were also at war in the Winter War, so they just they were not getting along. So Finland lost some of the territories in that Winter War, and it's, a lot of people think that you know that's why this continuation war started. But for our focus, it'll be the nickel stuff, and it was the nickel foreign minister at the time. He demanded that Finland give them a, a mining license because they really wanted that nickel. But the Finnish government had already given a license to a British-Canadian company. So all these riots started happening. Some of them got violent. Um, then Germany started to perk back up, and they're like, oh, well, we kind of want to take on Russia. And so Finland is right there yeah. next to, yeah. And so they needed to bolster up Finland. So in 1941, Moscow again demanded that Finland give control of the Petsamo mine to the Soviets. And, you know, with big, bad Germany behind them, they're like, nah, we're still good. <laughs> Y'all stay out of there. But the fighting kept up for three years until it ended in a ceasefire in 1944. In the end, Finland had to give up the mine to the Soviets anyway. Yeah, no. So all I, that fighting. Yeah, just like just for, for nickel. Man. Yeah. That's crazy. Still for five cents? Wow. 
Yeah, five yeah. cents. So uh, t- back then, five cents was a lot. <laughs> hey, listen, can I just say something really quick? By the way, every time you played, like every time he was getting super serious, he would play some freaking sound track thing. In my mind, I just see you in your room, like a nineteen forties like freaking sound producer, where you you actually have a trombone. Like it's not a it's not a digital format. It's I see you switching between instruments and then like making thunder noises. I see you and you're just kind of like pulling strings and shit. That's how I see you. (laughs) Making all these like oh that's digital now that's him. He has. He actually has like an audience. He has his whole family there just to do a lap track. <laughs> I don't know. Cool. Good, good job, bro. Oh man, that makes me that makes me giggle. So now I mean, you have to do that. Yeah, just just yeah. All right. Did you uh did you want to bring up any resources that were fought over, Mister Aguirre? You know what? I'll make mine quick. Okay. I know we have a, some other interesting stuff, but uh, I didn't have anything planned out for this. I'm sitting here thinking about it. Like we talk about all these minerals, right? Oil, right? Lately, that's all we talk about since the nineties, right? We're in the middle East because of oil. Yeah. Maybe we are, maybe we're not, whatever. I honestly, I believe it's bigger than that. Right. And I know this is going in kind of a crazy conspiracy thing, but I'm serious. The military industrial complex is the biggest moneymaker our country has. And a lot of countries have, right? Uh Including NATO. They make billions of dollars from war from selling weapons to countries, from selling, you know, from manufacturers, creating jobs. And I get it. It's all, it all works into the civilian culture too. So it helps businesses. I understand that. Yeah. But I think the commodity that we're talking about here are just human because like you Hobbs and me, we're the people that went over there for whatever reason. You know? Yeah. You can uh, insert like, yeah, I've become disenfranchised <laughs> like with we're the commodity. We're like, you know, we're, and I love the military. You know, I have nothing against it, but I'm not going to avoid the, because here's the thing is we'll never pull out a war or we'll figure out another war next time because there's too much money involved. Yeah. There's too much money for the country or nation. And it creates all these businesses and all this other, and, the, and it booms the economy up. So I understand, but it's just, it, it then it, that becomes, we are the commodities. Is just human yeah. life is probably worth the most out of any element right now. For me, that's kind of where, you know, it's a little wacky, but that's kind of how I, that's the element I chose, I guess. No, know. but I mean, I, I feel like yeah. it's, it's equally valid of a point. And, you know, you can label it whatever you want to, because I mean, like, when we were over there, didn't you ever just feel like, what the hell are we, why, what, why? Like, what, yeah. what is this only, for? Right, like, we, our missions were very vague, right? We're like, we'll guard this. Okay, yeah. cool, I get it. I'm guarding this particular spot because I don't want bad people to come in here do that right but what's the my team's mission like what are we all doing here oh we're here because we're guarding this base we're guarding this bigger city yeah oh, okay so why are they attached to that why are we and and you go all the way up and you ask the question all the way it's like why are we here not here right now in this little spot but like literally here and we get it we're trying we, you know we were told we were going after bad people that did bad things to us and maybe we were maybe we weren't that I mean at the end of the day there's always bad people that do bad stuff to us right yeah. we do bad stuff yeah. to other people too so it, it, that's at the end of the day, there was other than retribution, right? Which is really what I see, right? Retribution, especially if you think that the Dom had something to do with it, then why not end the war after you kill the Dom? Yeah. If you thought that Osama bin Laden was the culprit and why didn't we stop, you know, the war after, you know, we caught him. So, you know, or after he was ineffective, because even before they caught him, they were ineffective. We continued for almost 
over 20 years now, almost 20 years. Yeah. That's crazy. Like 20 freaking yeah. years. That's insane. If it really was costing the government that much money, do you think we'd still be going? No. Oh, and then, because like, yeah, I know. Money. Yeah. And then a lot of it, like, even with Saddam in power, at least he kind of put a cap on um, stability in the in the area. I feel like once you removed him, there was this big yeah. power struggle, like, or power vacuum. And then that's where you see, like, the rise of, like... You know, like, and, 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 and I think the worst part yeah. about even being in Iraq was, I mean, it, it was like a, it was a very untraditional war. Like we didn't know where we were, <laughs> we didn't know who was shooting us. We didn't know who yeah. was setting yeah. up the IEDs. Yeah. Like, right. We didn't, we didn't oh, know any good. of that. And then I, I think about that, like where, where you stand uh, politically or not, like, I, you know, you, you, you heard like all of the, the Trump Republicans, especially here in Texas, like, oh, we should succeed and, you know, you know, start our own country. And blah blah blah, and I was like, I don't think y'all really understand uh, <laughs> like how much like that would money it would cost, the planning that would go into it. But then I thought about like if if a country were just to come in and like occupy where we live, like I would feel like I would be much like totally. the Iraqi people trying I, to I get agree. these. Yeah. I think, yeah. It's it's one of those like weird things where I'm just like, man, like at, when you're so brainwashed into thinking like this is, you know, like we're going to war for this and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, huh, huh. <laughs> but then you just take a step back and yeah. you're like, what the fuck? I'm like, why? Why? Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, at, at the end of the day, I, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm proud of this country. I'm, try, I'm proud of this, you know, uh, the military. I'm proud of, you know, what you and I both did. And not only did, but what we went through, right? Because at the end of the day, all the people around us, you know, for the most part, you know, there's always that 1% that's a serial killer, but that's a whole different story and a whole different topic. <laughs> but, but we can't yeah. help those, right? Those exist in civilian culture along with the military. It's the same yeah. percentage. Anyways, isn't that crazy? Like in civilian and military life, most percentages don't add up. Like there's more divorcees in the military than civilian life way more right suicide same thing everything else is so different except for serial killers and psychotic people it's the same percentage in the military that's in the long way so it's just one of those so I, I get off of this <laughs> no um, but so my my point is that i'm i'm proud of everything that we, we stood for because at the end of the day we were good people yeah we were all people around us we were we, we didn't know what our we knew what our immediate mission was right not the overall mission or understood it other than like it's like i said revenge right it seemed like we were on a revenge tour for what they did to us right they punched us we punched them back whoever it is we're just gonna punch a back crowd yeah but you know i'm proud of everything in, in my country and all that stuff. But part of me too is like, as a patriot, I, I feel like you should stand up for, you know, if the military, the whoever, the government, whatever, whoever's in control of that, you should stand up and talk the truth about it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even if it's popular or unpopular or whatever. And like I said, that doesn't make me a less patriot. I feel like the people like, okay. So one lesson, I, this one girl, this is before I joined the military, right? When 9 11 happened, because I joined after 9-11. Yeah. When 9-11 happened, I was, at a re I was a bartender at a restaurant. And this girl was going to school at ASU. And she was going to uh, you know, get her law degree. And she was telling everybody. And she's from New York. And she's when you know, her family was from there. And she thought some of her family that worked at the trade center were dead. You know, she didn't know. And so even knowing all that, she said that if Bin Laden was the person they called out right away. Right? Yeah. They said it was Bin Laden. And she said, I would defend him if, it, if if we caught him and brought him to trial. I would defend him if I was a lawyer. And everybody's like, what are you saying? She's like, do you know that there is nothing more American than like, willing to defend anybody because they believe in the laws of this country? Yeah. 
It's right? kind of, it's kind so of, those... I was like, yeah, it's a weird one because you're like, at the end of the day, I'm not representing him or what he stood for, or what he did. I'm representing the laws of this country. I'm representing this country. And so even if you think I'm a traitor because I'm trying to help out the enemy, if that's what you want to call him, right? We have laws that we have to follow, right? And nothing, you know, is greater than following the constitution, the laws that we've created to the T, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, left or right, you know, the laws, the laws apply to everyone and they help us, right? And, and if you want to rewrite them, rewrite them, right? And that's why we have this system. We can do that, right? We have amendments and all this other stuff. So at the end of the day, if we follow those, I, I believe we'll go on the right path. Right? I think it's when people start getting a little bit too crazy on, on both ends, you know, and, and because they're, they're everywhere. No, and yeah. so my whole thing is just say the truth, man. Like, feel like I have very, you know, conservative views in some parts of me, you know, and then I have more, uh, so I'm socially very, very liberal, right? I want people to be free. I want people to, to enjoy their life, be merry, be happy. But, you know, I, I also believe like, oh, our economy, we have to worry about the economy. You know, as a business owner, you know, I have to rely on the economy. And so I, you know, so why can't we all just freaking... Yeah. Cool. And, and, and the crazy thing about that to get into it, it's like it, it it's as the 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 small business business owner, it's the the big boys of industry. They don't give two F's about you. And they're the ones who are. You know what I'm saying is like, yeah, I know you as a small yeah. business owner, you want to save taxes. But, you know, that, you know, that's I wouldn't even say it's pennies to the dollar to what, you know, they're trying to get out of not having to pay taxes. Yeah. So it's kind of like if you. There, I mean, I wish we could find a way to like uh, lower the taxes for small businesses, right? But the big businesses, come on, man! Like it's, it's I, I, yeah. I totally believe. I believe small businesses are the answer to a lot of it because everyone's a community, right? You have communities everywhere, and then the community equals you know the state and the state, the nation. All you have to work from the bottom. I do believe that small businesses are the key. These big franchises, that's great. Um, they provide jobs, but they don't provide. I mean, the thing is about, uh, and, and this is where I get a little freaking liberal, right? Because I want people to be happy like i want people to to live a good life like i'd rather be a business owner who, who makes fifty thousand dollars a year because i have a small business than a guy who works super super freaking hard every day doesn't have time to see his kids or his family and he's working for some corporate job for seventy thousand eighty thousand twenty I'll, I'll gladly be free and be a business owner right and i'm still providing yeah. jobs to the economy and so there's a lot of for me that's why like small businesses to equal freedom for me Right. That's what that, I really see more of the freedom than anything else. It's not about the taxes so much. I mean, obviously I want to be successful, but you, it's the freedom. That's, that's, I think what makes people happier and then happier people make better communities. Right. I mean, you, you know, I don't know what the statistics are and all this and everything else, but there's communities in, in, you know, indigenous communities, right. In, in Africa and yeah. in, in Australia, that the suicide rate is zero. And these are tribes that people have studied that are zero percent in like a hundred years because they don't have the best quality of life because they live out there in the tribes, they live in the jungle, they don't have internet, they don't have TV, they don't have comfort, they don't have sugar, you know? Yeah. So, but they're happy. They're happy fishing, they're happy hunting, they're happy. And, and they it's have like, a purpose. Oh, they have a purpose. And yeah. when you, start, you get stuck in a job that gives you no purpose and it's, it's, it's 40, 50 hours a week, you make good money, but you have no purpose and you're done by the end of the, by the weekend, you just want to rest. And by the time you're done resting, you barely see your family and you're back to work on Monday. You know what, what kind of life is that? So for me, like it's the same thing. Yes. Walmart can provide a thousand jobs for this small community. Right. Yeah. And that's great. But all those people, they just become slaves to Walmart. And then, but what if we had 10 small businesses where the community owned the businesses and those same 10 businesses, small businesses provided the same 
thousand jobs, you know, or 20 bit, whatever it takes to provide those same jobs. But then now people are happier. They're working for small, one single owner, which is normally typically not as crazy as like a big company like that. And maybe with some options for the future, you learn the business, you know, when you work for a small business, you learn, you know, how to do everything. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot there, but no. And, and <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm kind of like a, in my PhD program, we kind of touch on, you know, just kind of like this historical context of education. But anyways, like I had to do like this whole thing over neoliberalism, what you were talking about. It's kind of like this price point. It's, you know, the, there's these price regulations, there's minimum wage legislation that uh, like capitalism in itself kind of like is this <laughs> big bad thing. So uh, what I'm trying to say, let me see if I can find uh, the thing is that since the late 70s, there where neoliberalism really sank its teeth into our political policies in the U.S. So, you know, when you think of Reagan economics, the top 1% has grown $21 trillion richer. But in that same time, the bottom 50% of Americans, they've grown $900 billion poorer. Like, right. So that's kind of like this <laughs> mind blowing thing. So and then what you were saying to this happiness, like we've become a slave to working. Right. So since what is it? The 1970s. Again, we see that productivity, like you were saying, like we go to work five days a week. You know, we work 70 hour work weeks. We don't take vacations. So productivity since the 1970s has actually increased by 70 percent. And during that same amount of time. So we're not, it's not reflected the wages that the workers have earned. It's pretty much stagnated and it's only risen 12% in that time. There's like that disparity between the the amount that we're putting in. So I, I buy into it, man. <laughs> yeah, it, there's there's a lot, obviously, to unpackage there. I don't even know how we got to this point, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's fun. It's fun just talking about it. We went from yeah. the military industrial complex to small businesses is the way to go. See, yeah. but think, I mean, think about this. If we had this, let's say we were making money off this podcast. If we just did this and you made whatever, whatever it is you make now, if I said you could make that just making this podcast and you'd have three shows a week and all you do is prep for that podcast, whether that's your dream or not, that's not, that's not really the point, right? You're working, you're working anyways, but wouldn't you rather do something like more, you know, fun? That's something that like you, you said, you know, that gives you purpose for the same amount of uh, pay than having to go work for somebody else and be productive for somebody else and make somebody else rich, right? I mean, that's kind of that's kind of how I say it. So maybe for me, it's not so much on the the economy side because, like I said, you know, I'm I'm not the smartest guy out there, you know. But I, I know the hippie inside of me. I just want people to be happy. You know, I want people to have more fun and more time with their families and kids and just kind of like raise like back in the day, you know. And I don't know what back in the day was like. I just heard <laughs> about back in the day, like, the community raised the kids, right? And you learned, you know, there were no fatherless children. There were no motherless children because everybody had some kind of influencer, right? Yeah. And that's what we need now is we, we just need role models. You know, we, we kind of forgot about that. But a long time ago, being an apprentice, you know, that was that's how you became a man. That's how you became, that's how you found your career, right? became an expert there's something to be said about just finding a mentor and someone you can kind of cling on to you know whether that's your father mother whoever it is but to me that's kind of where i'm i'm going more towards the let's be more of a community now so small businesses yeah for me it feels like it's a smaller community and like everyone can just um, have their own communities and and, and share in the, the freaking glory no but <laughs> well but, and if we were all communities then we should have taken down the two billion t-rexes <laughs> yeah, if we work together, uh, if we work yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, though, Mario, is I think geologists, would you say you're pretty happy with your job, Brian, as a geologist? I love it. Like, I, I, I love it. 
No, I, I love Go geology. Ahead. No, I was just saying, I was just saying, like, yeah. it's it's a weird thing. Like, I, I do think that geologists, like, really do have a passion for it. One. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, we, we drink a like, lot. Okay, look. Is it because yeah. you, it's not like you fall into geology. No. Like you have to actually use it like you want it, right? So you, hopefully you're, because here's the thing, most people are like, as a teacher, like, oh, is that what you always want to do? Nah, I just yeah. quit halfway through school and I became a teacher. <laughs> 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 no, but, you know, for you, you got you got to commit. Like, you can't just fall. You're like, oh, my God, you're a geologist. You must love your job. You're like, actually, I hate it. I kind of accidentally became a geologist. Like, you can't accidentally become a geologist. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I feel like that's one of those things. Like, yeah. I, 100% chance that you're going to love your job if you're a geologist. <laughs> <laughs> but so like, but then like where, where we ended up, cause like, I mean, where you were saying, did you like, if you would have asked me when we were in the military, Hey Hobbs, do you see yourself becoming one, a geologist and then two teaching college? I would have been like, yeah, no kidding, dude. I'd have been I'm like, so proud of you, bro, by the way, I'm so <laughs> proud of you. Can I tell you that? I haven't even, I don't even ever really talked about it. Just every step of the way, every time I saw you, Oh, he got his master's great. Oh my goodness. My goodness. He got a master's. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be doing my thesis, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying words. We're uh, <laughs> talking about, and I'm like, oh my god, Doctor Hobbs. Yeah, that's gonna I'm, be. I, last time I had a title, it was private. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it really was. Like, uh, yeah, I think I got my E4 in. I got pinned in I in Kuwait actually, right before we went over. Yeah, you did. Yeah, but that's um, yeah. So that's that's yeah. It's it's nuts. Like seeing people like where they're at it, it always blows my mind like and then you know yeah. it, it, it it all it all uh it comes full circle right because look we're talking here today yeah. doing again like we have this uh call it a shared interest in podcasting or you know kind of like i don't know like so <laughs> brian i know we're getting way yeah. off topic so when i first like yeah. <laughs> proposed the idea of even like starting a podcast what were your initial thoughts i uh, i mean i was all for it because it gave he has stage to be nerdy and maybe someone out there would listen. I yeah. don't know. So like, and then, cause like I was always fascinated, like Mario, like the, the COVID thing, like, like I, I personally never just sat there and listened to podcasts before. So, but I know it's like this, it was this, or it still is, I guess, this budding kind of uh platform to distribute information and interest. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Then it's uh, cheap, so, it's easy. Yeah, I mean, it's and with, and with Anchor, you can start today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you get popular enough now, your time is valuable, right? It's like think of yourself as your professor now to the world because anybody can hear you now, right? Yeah. So, and if there's a if there's a small price, oh, or not even that, you don't charge the people. You know, you get sponsors. You and, and it's a it's a one for one, right? You say, you know what, a uh, healthy mason jar, you know, they serve up a good little meal, and that's uh, my buddy Mario's food truck business. Just go check out the healthy mason jar food truck. You could, I mean, you could always do an app like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, then, well, uh, hey, know, well, let's, things, let's give you so. a, a free spot to talk about <laughs> mason jars. So if we have any, if we have any listeners in Arizona, uh, where did they go to get healthy mason jars? Healthymasonjar.com, but we're going to be closing for the summer, so don't check us out. <laughs> 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 no yeah so like okay um then yeah. i guess we could kind of steer no, we it. we're gonna start steering yeah, it back to war again so like your podcast what what your podcast is fall in 360 just tell us a little bit about your podcast so this fall, obviously you know what fall in means right when you command a fall in right when you tell in the military yeah. a way of getting everybody into formation right so you can have accountability you can see where everyone's at and get in the ranks and rows and uh maybe you're getting ready to go somewhere so you you know you you, you shout the command of app fall in uh -huh. and people fall into formation 
and so fall in is uh, someone's about to maybe they're about to talk right give you some information so that's what that is that it stands for you know we're you know get ready to listen because we're about to tell you something important yep. and then 360 is like you, like you heard me talk today man. i'm freaking nuts I, I i love talking about every subject nothing's off the table i might not be the smartest guy on the table but i have questions for days Right? Yes. My interests are everything. So I figured I'm like, why not? Just let me get your attention. We're going to talk about yeah. everything and anything. So that's Fallen 360. That's where that came from. And the show really is about, we talk about everything. My my partner in crime, Crystal, you know, she was in the military too. She's, um, we're romantically involved and have a nine-year-old boy. Ooh. So how Mexican of me. Hey. <laughs> uh, and obviously we have, she's got kids from some other person. I have kids from some other person. So, you know, it's a Brady Bunch love story. Yeah. And uh, so she's my partner in that in that show. And we talk about everything. We talk about from serial killers, as well as mentioning earlier, you know, in the military, you know, 1% of the population ends up being either psychotic, like truly psychotic or, or a serial killer. Yeah. And uh, which is different from post-traumatic stress or any other issues uh, that our veterans might suffer from. It's, it's this is something that you're just either born with or developed, you know, through social economics, whatever. Uh, but that's one of the shows, and that one's called uh, Dishonorable Discharge. And we talk about not just serial killers, but or murderers, but certain certain ones that were in the military. Yeah. So they have some kind of military background, or you know, like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, was in the in the military. BTK was in the military. Green River Killer was in the military. I mean, you go on and on. And I went into, when I first started researching, because, you know, I love all that shit. I started researching. Uh, the, I was like, I wonder if this is this would be a good topic because I don't know how many real military serial killers there are. Quite and a few then there. This might be, yeah, this might be a, a one and done yeah. episode. Nope. When I looked into it, not only serial killers, obviously, but murderers and, 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 and not just like, like not just regular murder. We want that, that crazy murder, you know? And uh, there's so many. Yeah, I so just, you could make a whole. I think you could make a whole podcast off of like Fort Hood yeah, murders. That. <laughs> yeah, just that dude. We had one of our most popular shows last season was when we talked about Vanessa Guillen and uh, Fort Hood and everything that was going on. And actually, the dishonorable mention. The first time we normally it's it's a person, it's somebody that did something, right? So yeah, a serial yeah. killer, murder, whatever. But this is the first time we named the whole base the dishonorable mention, right? So the whole base of Fort Hood, which me and you were at for training, you know, because so many freaking murders were uncovered because of one murder. They found, oh wait, they're looking for a female, and they found this male. How? What the fuck? All of a sudden, they uncovered like three bodies. Yeah. How do you uncover three bodies at a fort? And like, it's supposed to be like one of the most secure places. <laughs> yeah, the that's country. the thing. And and people are dying there. Oh my god. So it, anyway, it, so yeah, we covered that, and we cover the other. You know, we we have one called Tales from the Guard Tower, and um, that one we told you. You remember what it was like being in a guard tower? Oh yeah, I for twelve hours. Yeah, no, like, I think I told that. I think I told that uh, story on my birthday. <laughs> it was it was the first yeah. time that that that, that uh, Camp Buka got mortared, mortared with the rockets. Yeah, that was yeah. my that was my twenty uh, first birthday, and it was the first time <laughs> oh, that yeah. we had yeah, a sandstorm. I didn't know that was on your birthday. I remember that. Yeah. Oh you know, no, that was, yeah, it was March fourth, and I remember sitting in a tower for twelve hours in at the it was the north gate, like overlooking the uh, entry point, at uh, and then that's the way yeah. that that sandstorm came in that day. I was like, God damn, that's crazy. This sucks. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. And, and so you remember what that was like. If you were with somebody else, you guys would talk about everything and anything, right? No topics off the table. 
No, yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of what that other segment, if you will, is called, you know, Tales from the Guard Tower, because that's a, in the Guard Tower, we're talking about what? If you, you, you believe in ghosts, oh, you know what? The perfect place to talk about this is, you know, on a 12-hour shift with your battle buddy, right? Uh, no wonder. You remember all those Rambo movies where, you know, he's going through Vietnam and it was just one guy by himself. He will infiltrate, like, the Vietnamese camp. And you're like, how is he doing that? And you would just shoot, like, the freaking, the guys in the towers. And you're like, wait, that's crazy. That, that, that seems too easy. It wasn't until I spent time in a guard tower that I figured out that it is easy to kill guard towers. Like, the guards in the towers, <laughs> we, are the, we are so bored that we don't give a fuck. I would wish for Rambo to shoot me in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> no, to, to, to no. finish my shit. Got like, it. no one, I'm now, I, Rambo, you might, there might be some really incredible parts in that movie, but the most realistic part to Rambo is when he kills all the guard tower guys. 100% real because those guys are not paying attention. <laughs> no, they, 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 they're they only paying attention if they hear like a, a Humvee coming up behind and it's, yeah. is it the, yeah. uh, the yeah. oh, this is guard tower. Yeah, NCO of the guard or whatever. Yeah, Sergeant of the guard or, but yes, that's the only thing we care about, or the radio channel. <laughs> Other than that, yes, we are total. I'm I'm giving I'm giving people. Uh, <laughs> I might get in trouble for this, but I'm giving up our secret. Nobody in a guard tower is paying attention. <laughs> Nobody. 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 So yes, we, if you're in a guard tower, good luck. You are like you're done for this. <laughs> Do you remember the the flies being in the guard tower after like a shift? Like yeah. you would you would fill up like ten of those fly traps full of uh, yeah those things yeah the little sticky yeah sticky tape for the flies yeah God they were uh, so bad but. So gross. Something All right. Stuff. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna steer it back. <laughs> but anyways, to... yeah, that's my podcast. So if you're interested into weird shit and listening about military murder and, and crazy stuff like Guard Tower stories, then check out Bond Basics. Yeah, check it out. It's our buddy Mario over there. We're cross platforming here a little bit. So, all right. Well, yes, then so I think bad. I think that this brings us into a little bit of mineral. Mineral minutes. Mineral. <laughs> Mineral. Mineral minutes. Minerals. All right. Well, this week's Mineral Minute is brought to you by the Palladium Bismethanide Fruitite. Fruitite's chemical formula is PDBI2. That's a weird... That's, that's one that you don't normally see there, yeah. eh? Yeah. <laughs> Fruit has perfect cleavage. <laughs> Okay. He's like, what? Let me do that again. Fruit has perfect cleavage. Is wait, is that a question? No. On one hundred plane left, perfect on zero zero one. What's that? It's it's just information. I mean. You need smart notes. Just write it out. I just want to read it. <laughs> That's you, Brian. Did you? Um, oh, okay. Fruitite fractures unevenly with a tenacity described as bristle. The mineral has a hardness of <laughs> So the mineral is opaque and has a color of gray to creamy white and reflected light. Fruitite streaks black and has a metallic luster and tarnishes quickly. <laughs> Anisotropism <laughs> is evident. This fruit is pale and dark gray. <laughs> so fruit, I you, you put the hardest words <laughs> on my Mexican mouth. 
<laughs> so Fruidite displayed uh, displays rounded grains and is in the monoclinic crystal system. Fruidite's group is 2M and twinning may be present. And Fruidite occurs in mill concentrates of arsenic, lead, copper uh, rich ores. So from the Frud mine in Canada and in palladium and platinum bearing layered uh, or pipe like ultramafic intrusives. Stay tuned for next week's mineral mooliite. <laughs> all right yeah so that's that's kind of a our little fun thing where we throw someone under the bus yeah perfect cleavage just means that it it, it, there's a a plane of weakness so if you think of what i talked about earlier halites like they grow in cubes if you look at it under a microscope looks cubes but anyways it has three planes of cleavage and that's what that's referring to is uh kind of like a uh, if you will like a like a Rubik's cube where you kind of turn it. Those are like the faces of that it's that it's on. So, anyways, it's just a little bit yeah. of mineralogy. Mineralogy. Yeah, I'm gonna disagree with you. There is no such thing as a weak cleavage. <laughs> there's perfect cleavage. <laughs> yeah. Or there's no cleavage. Mm. Mm. Where's your? Mm. Wah, 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 wah. Oh Break yeah. Your trombone, okay, you ready for it? <laughs> yeah. Is it- yeah i don't i I have like random things on here all right so brian did you want to go back into the strategy of war you just want to go into a little bit of the the elements oh we can do the elements it's fine Okay, so then I, th- I think that we've we've covered it. We're not going to bore everyone to death with, you know, just I'll just read briefly talking about the. So if we were to think about it, so problems of military geologists are in general among simpler problems of geology that deal primarily with the physical character of the surface formations, the depth of the hard rock, uh, the lithology and structure of the formations to depth of less than 100 feet, except for in deep well drilling. The depth of groundwater level, right? That's important because you need to yeah. get your troops drinky water then the distribution of water bearing beds including their surface outcrops so the geologic control of runoff is affecting stream volume the distribution of rock suitable for road metal and gravel sand and materials for concrete though the geologic facts needed would under ordinary conditions be readily determinable like the zone of fighting is of course unfavorable mm-hmm. for field work and geologists you don't want to be out there and and then the really yeah. the investigator back in the day you, you under uh, stressful conditions, often perf- performed, anyways, meager observations and entirely on compiled data. So, I mean, it's just kind of the, one of those things, like, I didn't really think about, like, geology and, like, wars, like, like the the water distribution yeah. or, like, um, so, like, the, the troop movement, right? So, if it's, you probably want to do troop movements over places that have bedrock versus, you know, kind of a sedimentary thing, right? So if it like if it rains, but if you're going to be digging ditches, you're not going to want to be digging where there's, I guess, thick bedrock. So yeah. like World War One, they didn't really utilize that in digging those ditches. <laughs> no. Yeah. But so then I thought like we would talk about um, a little bit about the elements used in various equipments or munitions, if you will. So me and Mario, so like what our MOS is, so our military occupation specialty, is that what it stands for? Yeah. Okay. So we were 13 Bravos and we fired big ass cannons like howitzers. That was, that's what we did. Like we, we. That's what we went to military school for. But, you know, in Iraq, we did we did force protection, mostly convoys. 
Yeah. Dude, we was, did like military, we did infantry, military police work. I mean, all that stuff. We did all these other MLSs, but not ours. So did you, did you convoy up to uh, Baghdad much? Uh, Cause I, I remember every time that we convoyed in doing those, the prisoner yeah. transport, seeing those big howitzers on the outskirts. I was always like, man, like the big, no, they get to do their job. The paladins. That we, went to school for, that we were trained on. Yeah. It, but they look so cool, but uh, I wouldn't, they're slow. They're slow. But anyways, so elements in the various things. So I'm going to bring up a couple. So copper is used for vehicle-like aircrafts and naval vessels and lead and nickel, like what you were talking about in the continuation war, right? So it's it's used together to use as body armor. Um, Dude, there's so much. When you talk about this and you think about it, like when you first told me about this, and we're talking, I was like, wait, but how, I'm like, yeah. And then I started really, really thinking that. And then just before I researched, I was like, I just came up with like 20 different elements that we use. And that's just, and then it started, and then you start looking into it. You're like, man, everything, everything, right? Everything. Yeah. It's every mineral, but yeah. everything is used to, to, to provide everything we, we wear, everything we shoot. I basically... Yeah, because I mean, like, uh, from yeah. the cotton that you wear has, I mean, like, you can even think of it like the cotton that our BDUs, ACUs, whatever we were wearing at the time, like, right? So yeah. it had to grow in soil. Soil is formed by geologic yeah. processes. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. It all goes back to the rock. It does. <laughs> okay, so aluminum is used in airplane production. Okay. Silver silver is used in the Apache helicopters in the C-17 transport plane. So my wife's cousin, um, much younger, but anyways, he just got his warrant officer too and flies helicopters in the army. Thanks. Pretty cool. I wonder if that's a fun job. I don't know. I'm sure it is. So um, yeah. another <laughs> element, molybdenum. Molybdenum. Molly. <laughs> yeah, Molly. <laughs> is a key ingredient used in stainless steel, giving materials, uh, I guess, the, the strength and longevity. And beryllium is actually six times stronger than steel, yet lighter than aluminum. Yeah, we get beryllium from the bertrandite ore. And so that's like a, a pseudomorph after beryl, like a really pretty mineral. Beryl. <laughs> beryl. Oh, yeah, antimony and tin. Um, that makes an alloy with lead. And it allows, like, for it's used in making bullets, so it, it makes the bullets harder. <laughs> and the antimony is actually used as a binding agent for the tin and lead. I mean, do you want to do you want to add anything there, Mario? I'm... Yeah, let's talk about adamantium, which was made to uh, were used to make the greatest weapon of all time, uh, Weapon X, weapon aka X. Wolverine. Let's not forget. <laughs> Dude, I was like, so I was, I was so bought in. I was like, what the hell is he talking about? I was too. I was like, <laughs> Wolverine. <laughs> shing, shing. Also, yes, from the uh, X Men comics. Yeah. So, no, but seriously, White Foster. White Foster. Willie P. Alone is, Willie P. Quit, funny thing you say that. Willie P is what is, is just what the name that we gave it. In the military, it's kind of its, it's nickname, right? Because obviously white, phosphorus, WP, so we call it Willie P. I didn't know this. I didn't know why we call it Willie P until I looked it up. And it actually comes from World War II. I guess the phonetic alphabet, in the phonetic alphabet, W was William and P was Peter. In World War II, they used to call those William Peter. Oh. Isn't that fucking hilarious? Oh. And then we should, well, of course, I was like, hey, William Peter, William Peter, right? And then we said, oh, fuck that, it's Willie P. Willie P. So we shortened it. <laughs> but it comes from, yeah, the phonetic alphabet used back in World War II. Okay. Which is different because now W is whiskey, which I like more. And then what's P in uh, now? It's uh, oh, 
Papa, yeah. So it used to be, I guess, it used to be William Peter um, back in World War II. But um, yeah, so white phosphorus, obviously, there's many different types of phosphorus. White phosphorus alone is used in the military. One, because it's an incendiary, you know, uh, element. Yeah. And so all it takes is oxygen. Oxygen is really its main con- conductor. And so it's used for a lot of different things, right? As artillery, like you mentioned, we used to shoot white phosphorus rounds. Now, I learned something looking this up because for a long time I thought, yeah, white phosphorus is what blows up. Now, it's used for different reasons, right? It's used to conceal, right? So you can blow it up in the air and the particles essentially are the droplets. It's kind of like an aerosol. That's kind of how it reacts to the air. Mm-hmm. Not only does it provide, it's, more, it's better than regular smoke because its particles, apparently, I, I, I don't know the whole science behind it, but they're large enough to where it will reflect all kinds of like infrared light. And mm-hmm. so even your heat detectors, anything like that, it'll deflect it. And so if you shoot, Willie, you know, white phosphorus around in the air and you, you know, provide smoke, you're providing cover for your unit, right? So that they cannot be spotted. Yeah. And so even if you have infrared or anything else, white phosphorus will actually deflect all of that and provide, you know, probably the best concealment out of any kind of smoke grenade. So that's how artillery mm-hmm. uses it. Now, they also use it, and they used to use it more back in World War II and Korea, Vietnam, especially in Vietnam. We know it because we used to use it against the Vietnamese in the jets. They used to deliver the bombs with white phosphorus. It wasn't used for concealment. It was used as more of a, uh, a sticker element, uh, and so it would actually stick to you, and anything it touched, it just burned. Yeah. And you can't take yeah. it out with water, right? You pour water on it, it'll grow. You have to, you know, take the oxygen away. And yeah, so, so I, and, that's and, what you would see, I guess, caused, in those those videos where it would just you would see, like, I guess, like, yeah. smoke and kind of, like, yeah, on the ground. It's People's those... skin melting, and, yeah, and it got on you. And, and, and it was bad for our guys, too, because afterwards, when you bombarded a whole line, your infantry guys have to go back in there and check for casualties, check for you yeah. know, any kind of intel, and they're walking right through all that shit. And so it's not it's not only Agent Orange, but, you know, it, it also caused health problems as well because you're breathing this toxin into your body that ignites by air. So don't you think that if you're breathing that in, your freaking lungs are, are getting burnt from, you know, the inside out? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's, that's white phosphorus. But now, well, here's I'll, I'll talk about the other round that's used in, and, and then I'll get into the interesting part real quick. So it's actually used more in, in you know, the uh, tracer rounds that we shoot? Yeah, so we're using that because it's it's easily visible and like I said, it ignites in the air and it's not typically dangerous by the time it gets to the enemy. The bullet's the most dangerous part of that. So it's used as an incendiary round, right? It's also used for smoke and mainly it's used for smoke now, right? Because after Vietnam, the Geneva Convention, you know, noted that people shouldn't use chemicals against each other, right? Yeah. I believe we learned we should have learned that lesson in World War One, but we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you know, no more chemicals. So that's why when like Saddam Hussein, I get it. He he used chemical warfare against his own people. So I did a lot of these. So a lot of bad people did that, and that's why it goes against any of the conventions. So that's why we don't do it. We're not supposed to do it. But after my research, so I thought I thought correct, right? For a while there, I thought we're shooting white phosphorus, and in my head, we never actually shot real white phosphorus in battle, right? So we don't know what it actually caused. And so I don't know what your impression was. But when I first started thinking about it, I'm like, wait, we're shooting white phosphorus and white phosphorus has, you know, burns people. And I thought that was against Geneva Convention. And like I said, you know, because we never did, we never used our artillery rounds or didn't do anything overseas. We never really questioned it. And I came back and you came back and you went your own way. I went my own way. Yeah. And we never really realized that white phosphorus, those rounds are at, indeed 
white phosphorus that we use in Vietnam. And so why are we still using those down here? Because <laughs> we the convention. So the more research I did, the reason is because they're using them supposedly at smoke rounds. Oh. But if you put a point detonator, because you remember time delay is different, right? Time delay, you time it so that it goes above the enemy and then whatever round it shoots, it shoots from above. So if you're shooting white phosphorus above them and they provide, and it goes, as soon as it goes into the air, it becomes vapor and then it becomes fog, right? Yes. And that's the excuse because white phosphorus technically is not outlawed. So the Geneva Convention says white phosphorus is actually allowed to be used in your weapon, but only at trace around and, and at smoke, not directly against humans. But if you put a point detonation round or um, what do you call it, fuse on yeah. that round, it will go off directly above the enemy and now it becomes chemical weapon. That's, but but that's, we're technically allowed to carry it and hold it. And so for a long time, I was confused. I was like, wait, were we actually, so I was partly right. We are have, we, we do use white phosphorus still. Now, technically, when we were shooting those rounds, they were supposed to be going off in the air and creating smoke and everything else. And maybe we didn't understand it back then. We know now what it's use, what supposedly useful. So when I read, I was like, yeah, but there's no way we were using it incorrectly, right? <laughs> then you read up on it. Not only did we, I mean, we used it incorrectly. So did the Russians. And just the last year alone, white phosphorus is still being used against Syria. And vice versa, right? The Russians have used it. Uh, and I'm talking about just in the last 10 years. Right? I'm not talking about, you know, from the 70s, 60s, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so it is allowed, but only to use a smoke or, like I said, like a tracer round or anything like that. Even smoke grenades have white phosphorus in it, but it's not like the, the, the way artillery uses it. And they've used it. Now, you could say there's, you know, maybe there was an error, like it, it, it shot too low and it got close to the enemy. Um, or we could you know, look into it and yeah, we, we used it incorrectly, but like I said, so did everybody else. I'm not trying to bad mouth just us, but no, but I mean like we have direct, uh, uh, a direct tie to it, but yeah, no, what I remember from, I guess the, the gases being used in Syria was that sarin gas, right? Where the, I guess Assad bombed his own people. Yeah. Now that is completely, yeah. So sarin gas is illegal. It's one of those, um, chemicals that is outlawed by the Geneva Convention. And that's the thing is white phosphorus, if they catch you with it, you're still within your rights because you're saying I'm using it for these other reasons. Yeah, because get this, sarin gas is a toxic synthetic organophosphorous compound. <laughs> it's, Jeez. So it uses phosphorus. And James, yeah. where, where, where does all the phosphorus get mined from? Where? Oh. Or like from what? Oh, geez. It's a little unclearing you. You know this. We, we actually, it was, it was, it was on our mineral minute last week, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, not last week. Oh, tell me. Floro appetite. Oh, floro appetite. That's right. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Where's so that? They, yeah. They mine it out of like phosphatic rocks, which are mainly like appetites and phosphatic mineral. Okay. Yeah. No. So that was like two. Right. Uh, floro appetite is it's, it's just a mineral that, uh, that's confused with a lot of other things. But it's a mineral, and that's where they're getting the yeah. phosphorus from. Fluoroapatite. Yeah. Is there like an actual location, or uh, is it everywhere? No, it's all over the place. But but, but I mean, it, a, it, it occurs in. Go ahead. Oh no! What I was going to say is like, um, I guess the one of the big things with 
mineral, like the minerals that we use in all of this, like the big thing is the, and, and we've talked about this a little bit too, Brian, about like uh, the China doesn't care. <laughs> like they, they'll oh, extract yeah, yeah. all the minerals. Like we have a lot of resources here, but we're oh, not yeah. going, but we're right. not going to do the harmful practices to extract them. So China yeah, right. has a lot of these that they do. You were talking about tracer rounds. So what comes to mind is like, uh, like the, the celebration in the form of fireworks, like, right. So I guess it's kind of military, mm-hmm. but so like, like the the following colors oh, yeah. come from predominantly from the compounds of single elements. So the compounds are usually going to be nitrates, carbonates, chlorides, chlorates, or oxalates. Right. So the whenever you see like when you think of uh, a red firework in the in the sky, the red comes from strontium, and most strontium so in the United States comes from the mineral celestite, and it is almost exclusively imported from Mexico. So it's almost and it's like, blue. Yeah. Which is so weird that it's the red. I, I just, that's strange. No, but like whenever you think about stained glass windows, like they use like gold ends up being like this weird green, right? And then, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like silver ends up making something else. Like it's, it's not what you would think it is. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's cool. yeah. yeah. <laughs> he told you. <laughs> he told you. Well, I'm going to tell him that the green is from barium. Yeah, because if you can't uh, live with like, them, you got to bury them. Can I tell you I've been waiting a long time to be involved in these puns of yours? Because I hear you podcast. I like the podcast. Yeah. You guys have the best puns in the business. We do. And now I'm here in the presence of greatness. So yeah. you, fellas. I love All it. Right. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh... There you go. Thank you. Thank you. So, so barium comes from bayrite. And I don't know. Does it? It does. It does. <laughs> Am I right? Bayrite? Yeah. Bayrite, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, the United States imports most of it from China, like 84%. Yellow is sodium, sodium nitrate, and it's like a really bright yellow flame. Uh-huh. And it comes from the Atacama Desert, Chile in Peru. Okay, so yeah, is also, that, I wonder if that's one of those byproducts, because I know we talked about the yeah. Atacama Desert being that rain shadow, and that's where they mine a lot of lithium for the batteries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it must be then, yeah. Yeah, I think it's one the, of those. If you, have, if you have a lot of lithium, that was part of the whole thing, right? Like, you have different, the, the basin where all the water would come in, uh-huh. um, so all the, so, the sodium would too. That makes sense. And then speaking of nitrates, like there were just nitrogen in general and then gas. Like, so the, the, he was a German chemist, right? And he mm-hmm. developed the way to extract nitrogen from the air so he could make fertilizer. But then this was pre World War II, right? So he celebrated like this big, cause like the big thing with nitrogen is, is it's the, the limiting growth factor in plants. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It is. Yeah. Right. So they use it in fertilizer <laughs> and, you know, nitrates and whatnot. But, anyways, so, so the same guy that created this process of taking nitrogen out of the sky to make fertilizer later went on in the war. I guess it was World War One because he is the one uh, credited with, I guess, inventing mustard gas and using it against troops. So where he was, a, you know, like this, I, I don't I don't want to say maybe he was a Nobel Peace Prize winner for creating this technology to um you know, help plants grow and this amazing thing. But he went on to <laughs> kill like thousands, hundreds of thousands of people with mustard gas. So, oh, yeah, that guy, that guy. Hey, Let me see. The, the Germans invented a lot of great things. They do. Okay. I mean, I'm like, I'm not, look, look, I, I lost half your audience by now. I'm just saying they, yes, they did horrible things. 
but they also believed in science. I'm just going to say yeah, it. I can't yeah. give them a shout out. Come on. They also invented the Volkswagen. They call it the Volkswagen. Anyways, they, they, they created roads, highways. They said smoking was bad when Americans were like, smoking is the best thing for you. And they did all those things you just mentioned. So, and our NASA was actually pretty much developed by uh, German scientists who we stole after the war. So, yeah, they were, I mean, oh. if people want to yell at me, they can <laughs> yell at the government for, you know, or NASA because they were the first to use those same scientists who did atrocious things to start our NASA program. So, oh, yeah, uh, no. But then, okay, so yeah. the dude's name was Fritz Haber. H-A-B-E-R. So it's the nitrogen was used in compounds from the air, but fertilizers. What's his Twitter handle? Um, Erhaber <laughs> Fritzkinskiner. But anyways, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, like um, it's there's there's always this like so it's not I, I don't want to call this whitewashing, but I do feel like it's uh, uh, not xenophobic, but like how we we blind ourselves to the atrocities that our country has done, because like with the World War Two and eugenics, like we funded a lot of that. And then think about like, what was it? IBM who made these kind of which is an American company that sent over kind of like, you know, programming back in the day. It was like kind of these these sheets that you'd poke numbers in. But right. Yeah. But it, it was yeah. a way to well, they. They, they they supplied Germany with these cards to keep track of all of the people in the concentration camps. So, boom. Files and missiles. So, yeah, okay. I didn't mean to just yeah. to, to go off on that. So, yeah, other colors, right? So, back to fireworks, keeping it on track. So, other colors are commonly produced so, from mixtures of compounds. So, orange is from strontium and sodium. And then some co mm. calcium compounds can also produce orange colors. And then purple believe it or not, comes from strontium and copper. And silver or white is like titanium, zirconium, and magnesium alloys. Flashbang. So Flashbang. Uh, bang. Bang. <laughs> um, they from, sound like, by the way. They sound yeah, like that. I bet. Amazing. <laughs> I made it. Well, I made it. <laughs> they come from aluminum powder. Yes, that's what they do. The U.S. aluminum consumption comes from recycling discarded aluminum products. Yeah, 28%. Um, 28% of it. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, the U.S. imports a large amount of aluminum and aluminum ore, which as geologists, we know that that's bauxite. Bauxite. Uh, from bauxite from all over the world. Canada, they provide nearly half of the aluminum imports. Jamaica, they provide roughly half of the aluminum ore. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Gunpowder. Gunpowder. That? Yeah. Lastly, gunpowder, right? So used in munitions. Yeah. So it's a mix of the saltpeter, sulfur, which they extract, or they usually get the uh, sulfur from a lot of the oil and gas um, byproducts mm. and from gas oh, fields. Yeah. And then also charcoal. So it's this mixture and depending on the mixture, it'll be smoky or not. But mm. yeah. Mm. So, well, there you have it. Gunpowder. Gunpowder. But yeah, bauxite. Okay. So that's is is so bauxite. I know in Arkansas there's actually a town called bauxite. So I wonder if that's. I think that's must be. I think that's where they extract Maybe that's a lot of it here. Name. But then also it's with the aluminum, name. like um, when we were in New Mexico, the kyanite there was uh, extracted for the aluminum, right? The yeah, my homies do all three. What's so like andalusite, kyanite, aluminite, and aluminite. Yeah, the so what is it? Kyanite's the high pressure aluminite the high temp yeah. and then andalusite the low low and then that triple point is when you do it all 
But yeah, so anyways, and then also like the lipidolite, right? So the, the lithium, yes. I think, was extracted for yeah. that whenever yep. stuff and was... And the spodumene. Yeah, spodumene. We're just talking yeah. talking rocks and shops, so... But, no, um, yeah, so I guess... I, like that, porn, I, think, I think we kind of... Uh, like it's There's a lot of porn. <laughs> uh, did you... I mean, if you heard any of our minerals from the first one, it was like, coming tonight, uh, fuck a light. Oh, yeah. God. by the way do you do that like on the air or is that pre-recorded or is that a secret uh i probably shouldn't have brought it up i'm sorry what are you talking about the 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 no no so the song actually i i I made the beat on the phone and then i know i recorded my words i thought i had um i was in a zoom call like for class and i thought i had hung up yeah i heard the story yeah Yeah, and then my (laughs) professor and uh, another student was still in the class and i'm like "Mm, minerals (laughs) they're just like looking at me and i'm like oh god but i i had to to stay strong but then we uploaded it but Uh then um I guess to close things out, we uh, a song that we recorded too. This is uh, an original. To close yeah, things yeah, yeah. out is that freaking rock. So. Right, so on to that oh, freaking right. rocks. Yeah. Oh, you, you were gonna say something, uh, Mario. Yeah. So uh, when you're saying that, I was like, do people know that you're a self-taught musician? I'm, I'm like your your mom here. I'm trying to promote <laughs> you because I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, when I heard you that you became a geologist, I was so proud of you. When I heard you were a master, you got you were so proud of you. <laughs> just like pinching your cheeks. But seriously, like I want to tell people if they don't know, like I remember when you were learning how to play the piano, and I was like, wait, when did you learn? Like right before, I just kind of started playing around, and we started playing around in basic training when we go to where we're at, at our church or we'd go to mass, and they'd have a piano, and you'd go and play, and they were, and you didn't, you were like. Oh, you you were okay, and I was like, "Who taught you?" Like by myself. And then a year later, you're playing the guitar and the piano and everything else. And two years later, you're like playing Mozart on freaking social <laughs> media. And I'm like, <laughs> and and I mean, am I wrong? Like you taught yourself, correct? No, yeah, yeah. It and it was through slow learning. I mean, it 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 was a combination of. Well, I, I mean, the guitar I had lessons and I played for a long time, but piano I've never been trained, formally trained. No, yeah. And it was and that's, it's a and lot that's of. Tough. For me, so it, it was, I don't know, for me, it's impressive. So I just oh. want to share that. Oh, well, well, thank I'm you, Mario. Thank you, Mario. I'm my little guy. I, I'm, I'm impressed with Brian's band. He's, he's, uh, he's the signed musician of the group. Uh, oh, yeah. What is, what does signed mean? Like, are, do you have a contract with somebody or? Yeah. yeah. With a, uh, that's pretty cool. With a little label. Yeah. Little label. That's awesome. Yeah. But, what do you guys play rock? Is that essentially? Uh, he, uh, yeah, it's rock, but it's instrumental. Okay. It's, it's but it's very well put together. It's very uh I I I I consider you like the the classically trained like you you the you're spot on every time. You're spot on and well, then you like just and then practice. you did a well yeah, like that's one thing I guess with the with you know, my like I don't know. Maybe I should uh stick with or like uh take on Mario's approach and just keep it raw for everybody. <laughs> There you go. God, Lee, I have so much editing to do. But anyways, yeah, so like... No, what, dude, leave it all. Leave it all. No, man, you don't, you don't even know. You don't know. 
you don't know. <laughs> like you're like when you listen to this, you're gonna be like, man, I'm I I sound like I know what I'm talking about because I feel like that every time that we get done with an episode, I'm just like, huh, okay, okay, yeah, but that sucked life, so like, hard. If you're having a real conversation, you're not gonna go back and edit it. You're just gonna talk. No, but I but talk. I no, but I do I do go back and edit it. <laughs> I take out all like the weird pauses because it's I, yeah. I don't know like listening to other other podcasts now that I'm into it right so you know you kind of see what your 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 peers are doing and yeah. and I guess when you're talking about like geology and sciences it's it it like and then the the content sometimes gets really heavy and the last thing you want people doing is um uh like um uh, okay so <laughs> like uh. Yeah, no, of course, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like, I've, I've edited yeah. out, I mean, that's basically what I do. I just go and tidy it up. Yeah. But it's it's time-consuming. Like, See, right. and this is so much, of, I know how that editing, I know how that works, bro. Like, that, that to me, that's why, I, like, I want to, like, a kind of like a one-and-done, so we, um, because editing, that's, I, I get it, I know. And so if you have to go through it all, like, to, to find all those plots, that's more power to you, man, but that's tough. And, but then it teaches you how to edit, you know? Yeah, d- 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 I've gotten a lot better and a lot faster. So, but I mean, anyways, it's, I, I, it's, 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 it's a product of love. What our labor of love. Yeah. But what we're here to talk about is the the I guess music that kind of reminds you of war, or what were some of your songs that you listened to whenever to get you kind of amped up before convoy there, uh, Mario, or just uh, oh. anything that uh, I guess evokes war, kind of. Well. Uh, right before I hit the battlefield, I like to listen to myself's little uh, little bodies by drowning pool. Yeah, right. No, I, th- I feel like that's the that, dude. No, that was such a cliche. Like for our generation, our war, like body. That's the song, right? Remember, everyone had a video to that song. That's a body. That's a soul. That's a body. <laughs> And so everybody was like, ah, and we loved it, right? We're like, war bodies, war, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> And then, and then now you're like, oh, but it must be the same thing that like the Vietnam era must have felt like because you sent like Fortunate Son by CCR, right? Yeah. That's like what they're, that's, or, or, um, what's the other one? Uh, uh, Painted Black by, um, by the Rolling Stones, right? Yeah. That's another classic Vietnam era. Those guys must be like, oh my God, that song again, like kind of how we feel about Bobby. But I, I, but I do feel like at least in that generation, music was a, like a political thing. Like you, you know, they were, a lot of them were kind of anti-war, like let's not do this. Right. So Mm -hmm. I mean that, cause like when you hear a song and they did a good job of it, because like whenever I think of like hearing certain, like all along the watchtower by Jimi Hendrix, or like you said, fortunate son mm-hmm, yeah. and like uh war, what it is good for, what it is. A good Jimi for. Hendrix was a veteran, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Elvis Presley was a veteran. Yeah. Mm-hmm. World War. Yeah. I, I don't think he went, but you know, but, but anyways, like I, I think <laughs> that generation and that sort of music was, it, it was good. I mean, not, I don't know if it was good, but it it evokes. I feel like like you were saying, like a a whole kind of view of the war, if that makes sense. Right. Whereas, good. like we have one song good. that was just like, "Let's kill everybody," and then like you know, <laughs> yeah. back then there yeah. was they were mindful about their music. You're like, "Oh, don't kill." Like I don't know. Yeah, when my when my son, my oldest, when he was little, and he used to go out to uh, when he was playing um, what do you call it, football, or not? It wasn't even football. It was just a uh, flag football when he was little. 
that's the song I would play for him to get him pumped, you know? I was like, dude, if I don't see one broken bone on the, the enemy side, you ain't playing hard enough. <laughs> and I would play that song for him. No, but I, I understand what you're saying because you're right. That one, it, it invokes some kind of emotion because that's what music is to me, right? Yeah. As a listener, not, a, not someone who is a, a musician at all, by no means. I have no talent, but I love hearing music. So for me, as a fan, it's just like movies, right? If it invokes emotion, then it's worth something. And and that song, Bodies, it, it invokes some emotion, right? It might not be. It gets you amped up. And so it's not for every occasion. Whereas I think songs like uh, Fortunate Son by CCR, or, you know, Painted Black and all those songs, like you were talking about, and a lot of songs during that era, they, they glow with you, right? They might mean mm. something to you then, and they might mean something to you 20 years later, and they might mean something to you, you know, when you're 80. And But they grow with you, I think, the lyrics and just the music itself. Whereas Bodies, it's like, that's, that's a one one and done. Like, yeah, you know, I don't, we're not going to be listening to it at every occasion. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, you're not, like, imagine us, like, when we're, like, 60 and we have grandchildren, and we're like, play bodies, play bodies. <laughs> what, are you fucking, what are you saying, Grandpa? You're like, that's not going to come to mind, right? Well, um, but maybe with my those, kids. Yeah. Maybe but unfortunately, kids. yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, that is that is. I I like it. I'm not saying I'm not trying to fucking shit on that song. It's a classical masterpiece. I get it. Um, but um, <laughs> it's, it's like that's what represents our our work. I, I feel it. Like. Or you could always go with uh, Toby Keith, right? Toby Keith. I'll tell you what. Like I was in a big country guy until I joined the military, just because I met so many other people that were into country. Uh, and same thing with the rap. Like I, I wasn't a huge rap guy uh, until the military. I the military opened my eyes to a lot of different cultures. Right, I'm from El Paso. It's like what 80% Hispanic, and the white and black people that live there they act Hispanic too because you know everybody's freaking Hispanic. <laughs> and so I, you know, my 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 sense and, and music and all that wasn't you know as as open. So I learned a lot of those or that that style of music, and. Um, Toby Keith, it, for some reason, especially after 9-11, um, that American soldier just always stuck with me, right? And I think that's another one. And so I remember, I don't know if you remember, Hobbs, when we graduated basic, not, 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 I'm sorry, not basic, but the, um, you know, because we went to one. AIT. Oh, I guess it was basic. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And we, we, that, we were in the field, and we had just finished a big, like, five-mile rock march. We still had to go back. We had another five miles. But then we also did a whole, um, um, what do you call it? Actually, no. It was a longer. It was a. It was a fifteen. It was a fifteen mile ruck, ruck march. Remember? Yeah. And we went through all the obstacles, and we graduated at the end. Uh, Drill Sergeant Bennett was shooting off that little one oh nine er, little a little um, artillery round. Yeah. And we were graduating, <clears throat> and they were playing that song, American Soldier. And so for me, it you know, it in my mind, I get the cheesiness of all of this music but it doesn't matter anymore because it's ingrained in my mind, right? My mind, mental state was in such a weird spot, like surreal. Like I'm graduating basic Dude. and I'm going off to AIT. Uh, yeah, and no. my mind, yeah, it was so open that when that song came on, it literally ingrained itself in my head that anytime I hear it now, I have like a, a reaction to that song. Well, right? it's like, so, a, when a, it, so here's a weird random story when it comes to like that with basic, tra like that whole basic training thing is like whenever I see Orion, like the, the constellation in the sky. And yeah. I, I remember like those first few, you know, weeks, like being actually in basic training 
and we'd wake up at what four thirty in the morning and go to go do PT. Yeah, we have to be in formation by four, four thirty. Yeah, so then like I just remember seeing always just m- making a mental note. I'm like looking at Orion's constellation while we're doing like the calisthenics. But then you would see those uh, Elum rounds from the artillery just yeah. like lighting up the sky, which and like so every time I think or I see uh, the, the constellation Orion, it, it brings me back to a place of, um, and I remember looking at it right before we got that big old shot in our butt. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, that hurts. Yeah. yeah. yeah yep. So, I mean, it's, it's really weird how it does. And then to toot our own horns, Brian, we're going to brag. Like, so me, it was <laughs> me, it was Mario, it was uh Magnuson and it was Gilstrap. We were mm-hmm. the like super squad. We were the ones like um, at, at the night we would put on the the rock and run up and down the stairs. You know, like when people, uh, you know, were sleeping or doing something else. But like, I feel like you, you remember at one point. Like I, I feel like they were the drill sergeants were like, oh y'all, <laughs> like right. So like we won every single. <laughs> so you do these yeah. competitions against uh, these other units. Like you're part of this like four squad unit or four. What are they called? Batteries? Not batteries. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, no, no, yeah. The battery was, was all of us, but each platoon. Yeah, yeah platoon. Yeah. So like, platoon. yeah, so there were like four platoons. So like we were the, uh, like, so if you did like hand grenades, like who did the best at hand grenades when you did? You would always win now. Yeah. So we won every single phase every banner single flag. except for the first yep. one. Exactly. Yep. And I remember exactly. it, and it pissed. <laughs> it, it pissed uh, Drill Sergeant Burke off so bad yeah. that <laughs> he was like, "You, you remember what we had to do?" And and we never and we never lost again. No, we didn't. Right there, there, there. We because I remember he made us the next day on a Sunday, about your rest day. Um, we moved all of our furniture, beds, downstairs, locked it downstairs into the formation uh, platform, and then he made us bring it back. And then he goes, "You got ten minutes." And every time he'd come back, uh-huh. we, weren't, we, we weren't done or finished moving he would say you got five minutes to bring it back down you, now you got two minutes you know like, come on it was always an impossible task charlie one two lesson. toe you watch charlie one toe toe yeah i remember dude <laughs> and he was like he was like he was like five foot seven man bald and so yeah, he made us have bald hair he did yeah and he talked like this and he was just one of those guys just he was always yelling at you. What the f- liar? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but from that moment, like I, you know, it was one of those uh, bonding moments. Like I guess for the yep. all of us, like we we're like, well, we're not gonna do that again. So we yeah. won. We went and went on <laughs> to win about what, like I don't know if there was like 12, 15, like yeah. um, little yeah. phase banners all that we got. Yep. And then we, we ended up. And then we ended up with that gold one, which was the uh, honor school, honor platoon. Yeah. And then so, remember what happened? We got it folded up for some stupid. So even when we achieved the greatest of greatest achievements, which is winning every single competition, we did something wrong and he fucking wrapped up our banner and all the privileges that come along with that banner went away. Yeah. You remember that? Like till the end, he was hard till the end. Yeah. Like, you, n- yeah. Never did we get a break. Even but, when we won everything, he was like Mr. Miyagi times a thousand. Yeah. So Brian, uh. so like, so like, so, but it, it's, a, it's kind of like this rite of passage. Like it tells you what phase you're in. So like when you're marching around, like, so there's four of us in our, like there's the four platoons, right? Each with like 30 people, but you have that banner and it's kind of like a, you uh, like, I don't know, my dick's bigger than your kind of thing. Cause like, look at all of our fucking shit on our banner. Yeah. Like we're the best. <laughs> we're better than all yeah. of our people. We were better than pretty much every single other platoon that we saw. I didn't see anyone that had like, where, no. Could you imagine being on one of those platoons that didn't win a single one? 
anything. All of them. There was only one platoon that won. It was the very first banner that they took from us. The yeah. rest were ours. So there was one other platoon that had one. That must have looked worse, right? Than the one <laughs> just that had one. <laughs> yeah, just because then they know you're like, oh, that guy competed, and they and they and they only have one, and those guys have twenty. Those are the guys. They don't have anything, so there's they can assume that they never competed, right? So yeah. <laughs> if you have one, you're just calling yourself out. So. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> well, that's yeah, a little bit of uh, we tried to make basic training fun because it sucked. But I see and those that you were made out of the elements of. Uh, well, <laughs> nylon, which I guess is. I don't yeah. know. Oh, oh, that's made out of petroleum products. So oil and gas. Nobody Thank you. Thank you. So Brian, do you have anything? Yeah. War. Um, I want to hear your, no, your battle I, song. I've never been to war, but. I did find out that I'm mainly Welsh. Oh, hey, so, hey, Brian, I am too. Yeah, are you really? Yeah, my mom was born wow. in Wales. That's cool. Born in Wales. I thought you were about to play something cool, but you didn't. Oh, hold on. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, so I found, I was like, well, I'll look up a Welsh war song nice and i came up with this it's a it's the march of it's called the men of harlot and i'm gonna butcher the very last line but i'm gonna try to read this in a very uh poetic way okay hold on let's let's do this um songs by brian (laughs) the men of harlot by an unknown soldier hark i hear the foe advancing barbed steeds are proudly prancing Helmets in the sunbeams glancing, from the rocks rebounding, let the war cry sounding. Summon all at Cambria's call, the haughty foe advancing. Men of Harlick on to glory, see your banner famed in story. Wave these burning words before ye, I don't know, is it Kimri foe and B. Kimri, C-Y-M-R-U? Is that it? Yeah, you should have read it. You know it. Oh, no. I just have like Welsh song. things. That's uh, my war song. Okay, so go back to the word that says Cambria. Yeah, does, does that stand Summon out to you? All at yeah, it does. So that's OG. where. So that's uh, where the like the Ordovician and Cambrian. That's where all those oh, words come Cambrian. from. Is from Wales. Yeah, it's from Wales. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. of your geologic facts. Well, that was cool. That was yeah. nice. Yeah. So Mario, I thought it was a nice end. It was a nice end. Mario, man, are you yes, still there? Sir. Did you fall asleep? No, I'm good. I loved it. <laughs> well, man, we want to appreciate you, uh, or we appreciate you. We want to thank you for joining our you podcast. Want to appreciate me. You, you do, do want to. Yeah, no, I you want, want to. You don't, you don't appreciate me, but you want to. No, I, I wanted to thank <laughs> you, and I appreciate your time that you spent with us um, in talking with yeah, us, man. I, it's been It's been fun. Talking a little bit about Thanks war you. and your yeah. stories and reminiscing yeah. with me. So you you have a lot of editing to do. A lot. I, I get it. I apologize <laughs> for that. Sir. That is my fault. So anybody out there, I mean, there's a lot of chops in this one. It's because of me. No. <laughs> no, thank you guys. This is. I mean, I, I told you when when you told me you were doing this, I was like, yep, it's, it's, it's awesome, man. I can't wait. And I know you're you're talented. You're a smart guy. I knew you were gonna do it. And then I started hearing your shit, and I was like, this is fucking funny. There's something there. And so if there's, I'm gonna promote it. I'm gonna talk about it. I'm gonna share it. So whenever this comes out, but uh, people aren't listening to this freaking show. It's it's funny. It's entertaining, man. It really is, and it is educational as well. So that's so cool. my buddy, just my my crazy brain talking, but I do. I enjoy learning new stuff. So 
Oh, we, we enjoy it stuff. and we appreciate yeah. the kind, the kind words. Cause I mean, that, that's all that it's for, right? Is I mean, it's, we're going to keep doing it until it's no longer fun. And then, but you know, at the same time, we want to put out quality content as yeah, I'm sure yeah. you know, from your podcast as well. You don't just want to no, go and just be like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> there is no good quality in, uh, content in my podcast. Yes. It is literally <laughs> a shit show. Like nothing is planned. We talk about whatever we, we start with the plan and it goes nowhere. And, uh, that's been, <laughs> I don't know, but people seem to keep coming back and listening to it. So, you know, you're doing for, something for right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well then, um, I guess until next time we wanted to remind you to be cool. Stay tuned and keep it on the rock on the rocks. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Well, that was fun. I enjoy that. Yeah. That was awesome, dude. So yeah, thank you again, Mario.